There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Wonderful to be back with you for another week uh, with another great guest with Daniel Wood today. We're going to talk about raising capital and calculating uh, risk today. And before we do that, I'd like to... Um, yeah, I'd like to say it's, it's uh, a big thank you to my guest last week, Dr. Draven James. Uh, for those people who've listened to the interview and, and come back to me uh, on it uh, this week, uh, people absolutely loved. I got a note to say, what a wonderful, amazing woman. Uh, Dr. Draven James uh, was um, brought up, um, found herself homeless as a child. Her father died at a young age in Chicago. And she said to me, she said, um, I put it this way, I spent a lot of time walking before I went to school. And today she's a kind of an ambassador for Everyday Peace. She's written a, a great book. Uh, she's a, a film actress. Uh, one of her uh, sort of most famous parts being a, a part in the HBO series The Wire. Uh, she's also still has a full time job, which is incredible, running um, the um, pharmacies for three uh, hospitals with a team of 40 at the moment, which I thought was quite incredible. One of the things Dr. Draven James said last week was that. As she said, restless minds need a place to place to stay and uh, to settle. And I thought that was really um, insightful. And uh, you know what I hope today you might be feeling uh, you know, anxious, perhaps, with regards to your personal situation, wherever you are around the world. But what I hope that this um, show does, I hope it gives you hope. I hope it gives you inspiration and it gives you a place uh, to come with your restless mind where you can kind of settle, you can listen, you can learn, you can take some key nuggets and ideas from our guests to help you to elevate uh, your thinking and, and elevate your circumstances in the world and, and your business. Um, my work is about helping leaders to elevate their, their performance, to build uh, engaged uh, teams and engaged organizations. And that gives me enormous fulfillment and uh, passion. And I strongly believe today that if you're a leader out there, what you have to do is you have to elevate your thinking. Um, you know, not so much utilize your intelligence, but also utilize your wisdom to ensure that what you do is you take your business towards a future which is actually contributing to a better world, uh, and um, which is what we need right now. So on to today's um, show, and we're going to talk today about raising capital and, cal and calculating risk. And I don't know if this is something you've thought about or something that you do, uh, raising money for your business ventures, um, but I certainly wanted to explore this today. And I've got an amazing guest, um, and I'm pleased to call him a friend too, Daniel Wood. Um, he's, uh, his name is Daniel Wood, but he is um, from Sweden, and he will be talking to us today from Sweden. So it sounds a very English name. And there are 25 ways to raise capital, according to Daniel, for your business projects or your financial investments. So today we're going to talk about what they are, you know, when it's sensible to borrow funds, and hopefully that will help you through the maze 
which is uh, is raising capital. And also give you some thoughts to think about, about actually, should you be doing this? Should you be drawing it from your own uh, your own pocket or borrowing it on your uh, credit cards or mortgage or, or whatever? Um, because today, if you can grow your business, um, you can ultimately uh, make a bigger contribution in the world and your reach can be bigger. Now, Daniel Wood started out as a property investor, investing from his home country in Sweden. And, and for some reason, he invests in the UK. We'll find out about that. And this came with multiple challenges and, and setbacks. But over time, his, himself and, and his wife, Gisela, were able to build a property portfolio that allowed them to leave their jobs. They've gone on to found the Swedish Wealth Institute and Momentum Property Education, where they support investors and entrepreneurs, and they introduce them to top experts in the industry. They've got their own podcast, Momentum Investing. They've had some cool guests. And uh, what, what, um, what they've also done is they've raised over £20 million pounds, uh, for property investments. They've helped facilitate property deals um, on three continents. So let's find out today about uh, raising funds, about managing risk, and uh, I'm sure we're going to get some tremendous advice today. So a huge welcome to Daniel Wood. Thank you so much. So honored to be back again. Yeah, it's, um, I think it was a couple of years, wasn't it, since you introduced, well, it was a bit different, wasn't it? You introduced the, the Swedish rally princess, I seem to remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I actually went back and looked. So it was in August 2018. Yeah. It was because we were doing our annual Empowered Women event. Uh, I say annual. We haven't been able to do one this year for obvious reasons, sadly. But uh, Annie was one of our keynote speakers. She's just an amazing woman. And uh, we were lucky enough to be able to be on, on your show together. Yeah, it, it was, I remember it was, it was great fun and a, a very inspiring, inspiring lady. I think it's, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, the opportunities that are available to people it doesn't matter what uh, what gender you are and she really you know was uh, was beating the males um big time with some of her rally ventures wouldn't she oh yeah yeah she's still doing it <laughs> <laughs> so, so what have you been up to then since august 2018 well the world has changed <laughs> since <laughs> then so uh, it's been it's been a real exciting journey i mean we had back then we were as you mentioned property investors and we'd started the Swedish Wealth Institute, really because the reason why we'd become property investors and been able to leave our jobs was because of the amazing people we'd been working with. You know, we'd worked with people like Kim Kiyosaki, Success Resources, and through them, Tony Robbins. It's just like amazing, amazing people. And we wanted to share that. And that's what started the Swedish Wealth Institute, bringing these speakers uh, to Sweden. And uh, so I, I never did any teaching myself. It was just that role of facilitator um, but we've, we've kind of grown since then a little bit. We've started, uh, as you mentioned, we started Momentum Property Education now, which is uh, the first time I'm teaching actually personally. <laughs> and it came out of the fact that our journey has been a little unique. We are, you know, we live in Sweden. I'm born, raised, I've grown up here. My dad's from the U.S., so I don't actually have any connection to the U.K. prior. But uh, we decided to start investing in the U.K., and that came with, um, let's just say, a certain set of challenges <laughs> and uh, investing from afar like that. But uh, after facing a lot of different challenges, a lot of setbacks, we were able to figure it out. So a lot of people started coming to us and basically saying, hey, we'd love to learn from you. We'd like to, you know, we'd like you to help me. You know, could you please help me do what you did? And initially, I actually said no. <laughs> 
because I, you know, we started our investment journey to be able to get out of a job and get out of working. But when people come to you and ask, it's hard. It's hard to say no when someone comes and asks for help. So finally, we said, yes, obviously, we'll help out. We'll do what we can. And uh, it was just very, very fun. We really, really enjoyed it. And people started having good results. And it led to us starting Momentum Property Education. So in 2019, I was, all, I was speaking all over, all over Europe about six days a week on different stages, different countries, different cities, teaching property education, which was really, really fun. Mm. And you, you moved home as well. You were, were you, weren't you living in Stockholm when I first met you and somewhere? Then you moved yeah. to Ireland, didn't you? Well, so, yeah, yeah, we live on an island now. So, yeah, what happened was when COVID hit, we, we obviously couldn't do our live events anymore. So instead of me being out traveling, you know, six days a week, all of a sudden I, we shifted to doing things online. We've put together a great online community. We have a Facebook group called International Property Investors where we have now well over a thousand investors that are every day communicating, discussing deals, bouncing ideas, learning. And, and we've just gotten much closer to our audience, but we realized we don't actually have to go around and travel anymore. We're, <laughs> you know, I do it all in front of a computer. So we didn't actually have to live in, in Stockholm. And we've, for the last 17 years or so, every summer we've come to this island outside of Sweden. It's the largest island in Sweden called Gotland. And so uh, we decided to move. It was an opportunity. So I think that's really one of the things we've seen from this whole change of circumstances. There are also a lot of opportunities. The shift to online has been really, really tough, but it's also pr provided us the opportunity to spend more time at home, to be able to actually provide a better service to our clients because there's just so much more value you can give on an online course. And the cost is obviously a lot lower to deliver than what you can do at an event. So it's, it's all in all, it's been really, really cool. Excellent, Ex excellent. Sounds fantastic. I'm still intrigued as to what, why invest in the United Kingdom? Why not invest in Sweden? Well, when, as an investor, I can be very, very analytical. <laughs> so I, I kind of try to put my emotions aside and be a little cold when it comes to investing. And what happened was we, we read the book, that's what started us out, a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, which I know is the starting point for a lot of entrepreneurs. It really inspired me to get started on my investment journey. And they talked about property. Um, so when we were going to start investing in property, we did feel we, didn't just, we just didn't have enough knowledge. So we found a company that taught property investing. We went to a couple of their courses and they showed us just mathematically and based on regulations and, and just the overall market that in Europe, the UK was the best market to invest in. Huh. Uh, I've later confirmed that now that I actually have some more, more experience myself, <laughs> but uh, they, they convinced us that it was the right market to go into. And we basically said, if that's the best, that's where we're going. And we started investing. And, uh, and here you are. So you're, you've got a presence on my island as well as your own island. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Vikings came to the, came to the UK a lot back in the day. So we're just reviving that old tradition. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> so you've also got, a, you've got your own podcast, uh, Momentum Investing. I know you've in, interviewed uh, some really cool people uh, too on, on your show. And uh, I just wondered, any, any insights uh, from that which you think will help uh, people get through this current situation? 
Well, I mean, the top person I've ever interviewed on the show, it's this guy called Chris Cooper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a great show when you were on. I really appreciated that. So, you know, for anyone listening, Chris was amazing. But uh, now that, that episode was really cool. And I took away a lot from that and, and from other interviews, like with Kim Kiyosaki, Jordan Harbinger, and others we've interviewed. I think I really want to point, actually, to the, some of the things you said in your episode were really the importance of communication. I think one of the things that has happened now is, you know, we, we, in some cases, we've had breakdowns of communication. Obviously, we can't meet each other the same way. A lot of companies are now working remotely from home and keeping that company culture, keeping the focus, keeping that energy can be really, really hard. So I've, I've used a lot of things from that episode to make sure to re-engage my team, make sure to keep them on track, to keep that focus. And, and also the same with our clients to use that communication. So that, that's been really, really big for me. Uh, we've also learned a lot about networking, which I've seen. Uh, we were speaking about one of your former guests who's also been on our podcast, uh, Judy Robinette, who's just shown me how amazing it can be as an entrepreneur to work on introducing people to each other. And, and that's just opened a lot of different doors for me, meeting her and seeing how she opens doors and, and kind of trying to emulate that and, and do introductions. It really makes a big difference. Yeah, she's 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 on the show again uh, next year. Uh, um, I think of the date. I think sometime in uh, the end of February. I think we've got uh, got Judy again. Uh, she's been on the show twice before. She's on the twenty sixth of February, and she is um, she's fantastic. And I, I just like you know, I wanted to introduce her to you because she she does have this way of of. Um, finding out what's important to people and then making those connections. And it's taken them all over the world, hasn't it? To the White House, Buckingham Palace, palaces in Serbia. She's got amazing client list and uh, it really uh, you know, demonstrates, doesn't it, the power of, of networking and giving, really. Yeah, because that's what's impressed me about it, too, is she doesn't do it as, as a lot of people would teach, is to get in, be the middleman kind of role no. and try to make that introduction. She She really does it out of a... I'm going to give you so much. I'm going to overwhelm you in value yeah. that you then almost feel obligated to give her value back. Yes. And, and it works so well. I mean, you, you can't help but love her for it. And at the same time, I'm now doing introductions for her to all these amazing people that I know. And yeah. so her network just grew by another, by another circle. And she does this obviously with you know, dozens of people a week. So I can imagine how her circles are <laughs> are growing all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So let's. Uh, you're giving today. You're sharing with us about raising capital and calculating risk. Um, so tell us a little about your experience of it and how you personally calculate risk. We've got three minutes before commercial break. All right. So I'll try to be a little concise here for once. Uh, so the way I see, when you're looking at raising capital, you have to look at the risk. There are two types of risk. So one part is your financial risk. And one part is your reputational risk. So when you're raising capital, there are so many different ways to structure the deal. You know, you can always borrow money at an interest. You can borrow money and go in as a guarantor. You know, you can, you can get money where you're putting a financial risk in play, right? And then there are other ways to structure it. For example, through equity, raising by selling off equity or, or convertible loans, where you don't actually take a financial risk. You're basically getting this money and you're giving away a cut of the future profits. 
But by doing that, if things go poorly, yes, you don't owe money, but your reputation will obviously take a hit. So whenever you're raising money, you have to look at how confident am I in this project? And obviously, I've raised a lot of money for property pro deals, but I've also done it for, for some of our companies. We've raised finance in different ways as well. And when looking at that, you have to answer the question, how confident am I in this project? Will we be able to deliver? And if you are, you then have to look at what is the potential upside? What is the potential, you know, what is the best case? What's the worst case? And what's the most likely scenario? And then what's exciting to me, for me, raising finance is really, it's, it's basically a puzzle because you have all these different tools. We've identified 25 ways to raise finance. And then you have your deals on the other side. And it's really like putting down a puzzle. You say, all right, I got this source of capital right now. So you might have for example, one thing we've done lately is raise money through crowdfunding. And we can talk more about that, exactly what it is. But essentially, I can borrow money at an 8% interest, and I have to pay it back within 18 months. So if I'm going to borrow money short term like that at a pretty high interest rate, I need to find a deal that will fit. And so I put that together. And then if I can find that fit, then I do that deal. If I don't find that fit, I'll have to walk away. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. So actually you're, you're basically um, securing the finance first, are you? And then, then identifying the deal. Well, it kind of goes both ways. So, you know, you'll get a deal on the table where you can, you can do the same thing there where you say, okay, I have this deal, this type of money would fit. So for example, if I was buying a, a fully refurbed block of flats in, in central Manchester, for example, well, I know I'm not going to be making a lot of cash flow from this property, meaning I might not want to borrow money on a high interest loan. I might be looking for an equity partner, someone to buy into this company with me, and then we'll run it together. They might do the money. I might be the, the, you know, the operator or my team will be the operator. And so, so there I can then go the other way and then I can go out and see, all right, what kind of available sources of joint venture finance are out there? Hmm. I see. We're going to get to commercial break now. After the break, we'll talk more about this and we'll start to look at um, some of these different areas that you might want to consider, the pros and cons. And of course, also, you know, thinking through whether you want to, you'd rather spend, put yourself at risk in terms of your home or cash advances and things like that. We're back again with you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and uh, welcome back to the Business Elevation Show. And I'm talking about raising capital and calculating risk with my uh, my great Swedish friend Daniel Wood. So, Daniel, let's talk a bit more about the the 25 different rate ways, just to give people a bit more of a sense of uh, some of those different components, and then we'll we'll focus in on on a few of them that are probably particularly relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the things I love speaking about. This is <laughs> what I go thinking about all day is how do we find sources of capital? How do we fit that together with potential deals and potential projects? So, so far, we've identified 25 different sources, which, uh, which is a lot. And that's where it gets fun because you can keep going to these sources and compare them to the deals you have and do that mix and match. So, when you have the right deal, you, or when you have a deal, you can say, all right, this is the type of funds that I'm looking for and vice versa. If you have someone come to you and say, this is, I want to invest, this is the terms, you can then go out and find a deal that fits and uh, hopefully it comes together and you have a successful project done, so to speak. Hmm. I, I just want to, you know, just kind of interested if you, there's probably quite a lot of people listening to this who've maybe got quite small businesses um, some people will maybe be, you know, one man bands and they're thinking, you know, should I, if I, if I raise some money, I could maybe, I could maybe, you know, significantly improve my website or I could, uh, you know, improve the way that we communicate out with, with customers or, or, or whatever. And they're probably thinking, actually, I don't want to necessarily put myself at any kind of risk. What's your view on that? What, what do you, when you're thinking through, Risk. You obviously, you're, you're, a lot of time you're buying property, but do you think it's important as a as a, a key requisite of being a, a business person, an entrepreneur, to be able to um, identify some ways to grow your business and be prepared to take that risk and and borrow money to do it? Uh, absolutely, I think it can be very valuable. Uh, but there are really three three kind of structures I would say you could use when you're raising company company finance, so when you're raising money to your business. And basically, and so all these 25 kind of fall into one of these three. So either you can borrow money at an interest rate, um, which means you don't give up any control, you don't give up anything of your business, but you have to pay this interest and you'll have to pay back the loan. Uh, So that's one way of going at it. The other way is to sell off some of your equity. So sell off shares or create new shares to raise additional finance. And what that does is obviously that money becomes, for the company, that becomes free money, right? Because you don't have to pay it back. You don't pay interest. But you as the owner have given away some of your ownership, meaning some of your control and some of your future upside. 
The third way is to put in your own money. And, you know, that would be, as you mentioned, maybe borrow money from your home or if you have savings and put that in. And so there's always a, a kind of, with any of these, there's always a certain amount of fear. Like what happens if the business doesn't go well, right? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you've borrowed money at an interest, the question is, have you signed any kind of personal guarantee for it? If not, well, really, the only thing you'll lose is your reputation, which in itself is obviously valuable. So that's something you need to be careful with. But you can't lose anything financially if you can kind of walk away. And it's the same thing with the equity set setup is, again, you risk your reputation, but you're not risking yourself financially. And then it's the third where you put in your own money, which means you're not risking your reputation, but you're risking your money. <laughs> yes. So yeah. those are your kind of setups you can use. Now, there's always a time and place for, for external finance. So for us, we, I can take an example, actually, where we are considering a, a finance raise in, in one of our companies right now. Uh, regular company now, not property company. Property company, we're always raising finance. But <laughs> in, in one of our, so to speak, regular companies, we're looking at possibly raising finance. And we're looking at it as we might raise a, a decent amount of money for, and we'll be selling off about 5% of the company in that case. Now, we've set a valuation of the company as to what we think it's going to be worth you know, now and, and kind of taken some of the next year's growth potential as a, as a basis for it. But we also know that we are right on the cusp of some massive growth in this business. And over the next few years, we could truly grow this business by a lot, meaning that 5%, if, if, the, you know, if the investor is lucky and if we're lucky, that might turn into a, an average 30% return per year for the investor. Yes. So if you compare that to borrowing money at 6%, that does sound like a very expensive source of capital, right? Mm. <laughs> the thing is though, it comes with very little risk for us because as a business, we're not having to pay interest. We're not having to, you know, we don't have to pay back that money. We get that money into the business. We can pump it into the, to the growth. And then whatever money we make off of using that, we can continue to push into the growth. So we're in a position in that company where the infrastructure is in place. And now we just need to push, you know, push marketing dollars out there. And when, we're, when you're there, you know, it can become frustrating. You, know, you put money out, you wait for the sales process to go through, you get some money in, you then throw that back out into the pond. And you, you have the spin where hopefully if you spend $100, you make you know, $150, $200 back. And as long as you have that, you can consistently grow. But the question is, how quickly can you turn that around, right? If it takes six months from that you spent your 100 till you get your 150 back, well, that's how long time it takes before you can spend that 150. So that, that's, a, that's a, a frustration, one of those things that can slow growth, which is why we're looking at pulling in some money to push and, and get that wheel spinning quicker earlier. Is there, is there a risk, though, with that sef second option when you're maybe selling some equity that what you start to have is about uh, 5% might be different, but is, there's a risk you start to have a party that um, has a, a close interest in what you're doing and tries to start to maybe dictate how you behave? 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we've chosen to take a, a reasonably small amount of money, allowing us to give up a, a pretty small share of ownership. So we would be using, and this is where we kind of get into the 25 sources of capital. There are different types of people, companies, and institutions that would look at doing what would be, what would be classified as a venture capital investment. And so if you're going to move in on the larger, the institutional or the larger investment companies, they're not going to give you a, you know, they're not going to do a $50,000 investment or 100000 or 200000 They might be looking at, you know, hundreds of thousands or, or even more in their investment rounds, which means that will force you to give up a larger percentage of your, of your company. And in the future or even right away, that can start leading to you losing control. And that's that's definitely a risk and something you have to do. And really, um, that goes back to the episode uh, we did on the Momentum Investing podcast together. Uh, it really comes down to sitting down and, as you shared, talking about the values, getting clear on the goals, and, and making sure that both parties are aligned so that they're not coming in looking to take the company in a different direction than you are. Yeah, and it's such a, and it is such an important point. I've you know, experiences myself in, in joint ventures with partners when we, we put some money in together and seeing joint ventures go awry, particularly when the money's got big and suddenly there's you know, gaps in values or perception have, um, have suddenly been, you know, you start with good friends for a start often, but then um, when it gets a bit more complex and there's a bit more value involved, those, uh, that friendship can be strained, can't it? Oh, seriously. Yeah. I mean, a lot of our students go out and, and, you know, they want to raise finance because, you know, we, a lot of our students obviously start with some money, but also a lot of them don't. And they're going to get into property investing, which is a very cash intensive type of investment. And a lot of them want to go down the joint venture route. And so we actually added the interview that you and I did to a part as a part of the education to make sure that people go through that process of make sure that your values align. You had some great exercises for that. And then, you know, make sure that you are clear on the goals and, and that you ongoing then do this work. So you don't just say, look, we had a meeting once telling, agreeing on what we wanted five years ago. Because obviously things change. The money changes, the situation changes, the personal situations change. You have to ongoing do this work to make sure you're aligned and aiming for the right, right and the same target. Yeah, I think if it is a if it is a sort of a joint venture and you're doing you're going in this together, putting your money in it together, you've got to make sure that the each of you have got the kind of right flow. You know, you and I do a lot of work with a system called Talent Dynamics, don't we, to help people understand uh, you know how they how they fit in with each other. Because often what you can do is you meet someone and you really like them and you think, oh, you know, these these people are great, but you really like them because they're just like you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so you often yeah, don't need we to. Use, we use talent dynamics a lot, and it's it's exactly that way. You want to work with people like emotionally. You want to work with people like you, but that might not help. We had a great interview with a man called Shimon Rudish on the Momentum Investing Show, and he talked about joint ventures and how important it is that when you're doing a joint venture, you shouldn't look to get you know one plus one becomes two, right? Uh, you want to look for partnerships where one plus one can become three or even more where you're bringing different skill sets to the table, where you're bringing different types of contacts and people and business, which can allow your company to grow much bigger than you guys could do separately. Yeah. 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 You got, that's, um, it's very true. 
So we so take care in that uh, in that area to make sure that you do you really do do your due diligence with people before you before you enter into relationships that might be painful further down the line. Um, so we've got these twenty five sources of uh, sources of capital, and what 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 are they? What are the key ones then that are particularly relevant for people? Well, uh, so if you break them down into these three different parts, I can share a couple for each type yeah, of type of finance. So if you look at loan for interest, and um, just say you know you're borrowing money, that could be from an angel investor, like a business angel could lo- lend you money at an interest rate. Uh, it could be a crowdfunding platform, like I'm using right now on the property side, where we're borrowing money at eight percent interest. Uh, it could be a a company loan, you know you're company, you know, if you have a bank account with a bank, you could borrow money directly from the bank. So that would be just three classic ways of borrowing money in, in the company at an interest rate. Then yes, yes. you could do in the kind of the equity side of it, you could do a joint venture partnership, as you mentioned, where you bring in a partner, it could be a, a 50-50 partnership, or it could be a silent partner, or it could be a minority owner, like like we're looking for. We're looking for a joint venture partner, basically a business angel to come in and take a 5% stake of the company. Uh, You could also do an an equity raise where if your company, for example, has 1,000 shares, you could create another 500 shares and sell them to potential investors, which can have, depending on where you are in the world and what, what structure and where your company is, you can actually, the investors can get pretty serious tax breaks for investing into a small company that's doing an equity raise. Um, so that's, that's two ways of doing, doing that. And then on your own personal money, you know, you could have your own capital. You could take a, a, a you know, you could take out a personal mortgage uh, on your house or, or as an individual and put into the business. Excellent. So let's, um, so let's, let's have a look at um, kind of loans for interest and company loans. And you also mentioned in there, you put in that sort of, pot crowd crowdfunding yeah uh, so where where do you go to you know gain sensible interest rates so you're not you know you've talked about that you've got one at eight percent yeah which is still, still um you know i'd say that's kind of was that sort of medium would you say in terms of yeah uh, i think that that is it's it's pretty reasonable yeah uh, i mean obviously we're using it for property meaning it is pretty expensive for property because yeah. Yeah, you know, it's such a stable asset, but in a company sense, eight percent is in many countries. Obviously, it depends on where in the world you are. In some countries, eight percent is incredible, and others, it's it's a you know horribly overpriced. But a lot of company loans, what we see in in countries like Sweden, um, the UK, Germany, is it's usually about six to ten percent. Yeah. So eight percent is right down the middle there. Yeah. Uh, and so in this particular instance with your crowdfunding, you, you set that interest rate, did you, to make it attractive for people to want to invest? Yeah. So it was essentially a dialogue with the platform. They told it they charge a 2.5% success fee, as they call it, basically a setup fee. So I have to, they, they charge that from the loan. So if I borrow a hundred thousand pounds, they'll take 2,500 off the top and pay out 97,500. And then I'm paying interest, obviously, on the entire hundred thousand. So yes. that's a, a little hidden extra cost there. Uh, but they were completely open. We had this conversation. I sat down, like, what are the terms? What are all the costs? And then when we got to the kind of crowdfund play part of it, like, what do we need to offer in order to get it through? 
because that's one of the things too, is you don't want to put a project, do all the work, spend the setup costs, the marketing costs and everything else uh, to get the loan out and maybe record video and, and all the work that comes into to being approved. And then the loan doesn't fill because your offer was too, was too low. So I sat down and kind of said, well, you know, what does it need to be? And uh, obviously they like the crowdfund platform is always looking for as high a number as possible. But I went to the platform. I saw what the other loans were at. We had a conversation and we kind of landed on that 8% being not lowest on the platform, but the kind of lower half. So I knew they filled these type of projects uh, and we could kind of prove by the fact that we're doing a stable comp project and that we have a good history. And I mean, it was a platform where the ones who reached out to us, not us to the platform. So our reputation kind of allowed us to pull down the interest as well. And is there any risk on that 8% or you to, to, to people? Well, so for me, there is no risk. For the investors, they're the way it's secured, it's secured against the property. So there's, there's very little risk in that case for the, for the investor. And that's something you can do as a company is if, for example, if your company owns a property, you can raise money using the, that property as a security, which allows obviously the lender that reduces their risk greatly, which means that they'll be able to lower the interest rate or give you more money based on what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've just realized the time where we're going heading into commercial break again in, at the moment in a minute. Um, and we'll chat a bit more about um, loan, loan for interest, company loan. And I'd also like to chat with talked a bit about um, JV already, uh, about personal, about uh, when, when should you put your house on the line? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it. <laughs> we'll be back with everybody in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, I'm with Daniel Wood. We're talking about, uh, about raising capital and, and risk. And before the break, we talked about crowdfunding. And just quickly to finish on that, any, any platforms you'd recommend people look at, Daniel, when it comes to crowdfunding? 
Well, it's so different. It depends on what industry you are in, really, and where in the world. So I think the best thing you can do is is really either go to a local community if you have a business community and and talk to them, or or even go out on like Facebook and find Facebook groups because there at this point there are literally hundreds of them spread all over the world. We use a few different ones for the property side, and so so there are a lot of different ones you can go to. And the whole thing, it's, it's kind of requires a bit of learning, doesn't it, to, to use that. There's all sorts of methodologies and things that you can offer to people through crowdfunding in exactly. return. Well, once you get in, get in touch with the crowdfund platform, they, they're obviously very helpful. I mean, they want you to do and they want you to succeed because that's when they get paid. Yeah. So you can usually lean on them a lot. And if you talk to two or three, that becomes a pretty good, essentially, crowdfunding mentorship right there. <laughs> and... and uh, loans for interest or you know, get, getting loans into your into your co- company you obviously you utilize crowdfunding was that because eight percent is more achievable through crowdfunding than going to a bank well one thing there was essentially they came to me and said look we want to fund your property deals and i'm not one to say no to to money <laughs> uh, so they they basically wanted to, they they wanted to fund almost a hundred percent of the property deals so the interest rate wasn't really the the calling card. I mean, obviously, it's more expensive than I would pay with a regular bank. The difference was the fact that they were offering to lend a lot more than than a bank would, which right. allows us to do more deals quickly. And because of the deals, so th- so that's what then took me to go. Okay, so I, I obviously want this money because I can almost get free properties. Yeah, in terms of my own money, free properties. So now I just have to find the right type of properties that fit with this type of finance. Yeah, I, I see. So, so yeah, in the UK, we have something called bounce back loans, which uh, came out post COVID to help companies, limited companies through. Um, I, I guess that's a, if, if people are sitting with, with money, which uh, at a very low interest rate, I think it was for, for us, it was 0% in the first year and two and a half in subsequent years. Uh, that's a pretty good source of, finance pretty healthy rates isn't that oh yeah absolutely i mean that was so generous by by the government a lot of countries didn't have that sweden for example (laughs) didn't offer that so i think that was a very very generous uh, setup that if you did take advantage of it and and you could use it that that really puts you that that's really a very cheap source of finance i know a lot of people did abuse it which which is obviously wrong but Overall, I think it was great that, that that was offered, and I think it saved a lot of companies from uh, from the whole results of the crisis, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And then, then um, equity joint venture, we talked a little bit of, uh, about that. What about some um, angel investors who yes, maybe so- not... Yeah, not in many in. cases, I think it's always a question of, you know, when do you want to bring on... Uh, equity capital, and when do you want to borrow money at an interest or use your own capital? I mean, those three kind of spin around each other. Because the problem is if you sell at, basically you're selling equity. So if you're selling equity very early on, again, that's very safe money for you as a business owner and for the business. But at the same time, the value of your company is so small that you're selling your, your stake very cheaply which means if you then grow into an apple, <laughs> you, you'll see how valuable the, the shares you gave away were. Whilst in that case, it can be, you know, what a lot of entrepreneurs try to do is they'll put as much of their own money in early as possible. And that's where you have to make that kind of 
weighing, should I put so much that I'm, you know, I'm burning my ships behind me? Or do I just put, you know, all the savings I have? And, you know, if it doesn't work, I can go back to a job worse for wear, but not destroyed. So that's, I think that's up to the personal kind of risk taker. But I think that's a good first step, because it allows you to, to grow your business, increase the value of the company. And then for phase two, when you start looking at the next round of finance, you, you could either go to a bank or you go to an equity investor. And I think the equity investor can give you more than money. If you're, if you're talking to the right equity investor, they can either open doors, they can open partnerships, they can also open doors for other finance. So one of my friends in South of Sweden, what he's doing is he's actually putting together an investor network that are going to pool funds together. And then as a group, they're going to invest in startup companies. And so a part of their offer will be, for example, they'll give a company, say, a hundred thousand pounds as an equity investment, but then they'll request a seat on the board of directors. And using that seat, they'll then go and find kind of the primary finance type. So they'll go to the banks and the larger banks and say, look, you know us, we are experienced business people. We believe in this company. We now want you to lend, you know, 500,000 pounds to this company at a low interest rate. And so that's a value they're bringing. So their investment isn't just worth the 100,000. It's worth 100,000 plus very low interest, 500,000, for example. And that's, uh, I see. So I can understand that, but they're going to have some sort of interest in your business, aren't they? I yeah, so they, they'll take level. a bigger stake than they would for just 100000 And that's where you as a business owner, if you could get that type of, so to speak, cheap finance without the equity investor, then that's often a better choice to borrow some money cheaply, get the money in. As long as you see that your cash flow holds and that you'll be able to service the interest and, and be able to pay the loans, then that can often be a better choice early on while you grow your company. And that's uh, one, as it grows that will then allow you to instead bring in, you know, when you then do an equity round, you can do like we do and only sell 5% and still get a decent amount of money into the business or sell a larger percent and get a, a lot of money into the business. And if you, have, you, you feel uncomfortable doing this yourself, are there other people you can go to who would handle this on your behalf? Yeah, that's one of the most exciting parts. You know, in our property education, you know, we work so much on this. We go through the 25 sources. We make a plan for how to raise finance. And a lot of people get excited and, you know, they go out and they have huge success in, in raising finance. And then there are a lot of people who, who just completely get kind of locked. You know, they're not the type to network. They're not the type with a lot of contact. They aren't confident in their ability to sell. And what's exciting is uh, the more I've dug into this, the bigger that industry seems to be. There's a huge industry of, they're, kind of, they're a type of broker. So they broker deals between people with money and between people who need money. And so if you get, a, if you get in touch with people like that, and they're, they're all over LinkedIn, the important thing is to do your due diligence and make sure they're actually a legitimate business and not, you know, not a, a scam artist there taking advantage of you. But if you find the legitimate business, they can go to bat for you, kind of like I mentioned with that equity partner, but with, they would take a commission instead of equity. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which could, could, could it, providing they're operating in your, in your interest uh, and not their own, trying to maximize their commission could, yeah. could ultimately potentially save you money. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, essentially, you're outsourcing the task. <laughs> so yeah. if it's not your skill set, it's one of the things as entrepreneurs we're always looking at is what am I? What can I do that no one else in the business can do? And then make sure I can do that as much as possible to, to maximize the profit of the business. And if one of the things you see that you're just not good at, you don't enjoy, you don't want to do is raise finance, well, bring in someone else to do it for you. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you, you've got this, um, the Swedish Wealth Institute and obviously your, your property company. How, and, and you've worked with Tony, Tony Robbins' organization as well. Um, how do you do? You, do you have any thoughts on helping people who maybe came from um, an environment uh, where you know, borrowing money was maybe frowned upon um, and have got to go through that little mindset to enable them to uh, comfortably borrow money? I, I remember my mother when I, when I, I got a, uh, an overdraft and I remember my mum in tears because I got this overdraft at, at the end of my college days. So you, you're the first person in my family I know who's been in debt since, um, since um, uh, outside of a mortgage, you know, she was uh, quite uh, dis- dis- disgusted and ashamed at the time. Um, and that sometimes sits deep rooted with some people, doesn't it? And can stop them from borrowing money and investing. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm from Sweden. It is uh, everyone's like your mother here. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's she's great, my mom, but she, you know, she took a cautious approach. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what, what I learned growing up. I mean, uh, I, I had the similar situation with my mom, actually, when I started investing in property. Uh, she was crying and my dad left the room. Uh, so <laughs> they did not believe in, in, in the dream. Uh, they later came to, so that was, that was nice. But that, no, that, that fear is very, very common. And that's, that's a part of the way we kind of go about it. So, you know, I got to know Tony Robbins' organization because we're partners to Success Resources who, who work very closely with them. So we work through that partnership. But we, uh, for me, I worked a lot on, uh, it's about changing perceptions among people because when you're just starting out, you know, everyone, everyone tries to stereotype everyone, right? We want to know, you know, Chris is an entrepreneur. That's Chris. All right, good. So if I have entrepreneurial questions, I come to you. Um, Daniel's a property investor. So if I have property investing questions, I go to Daniel. Uh, but then there might be Steve who might be a, you know, he might be a stay-at-home dad. So Steve, I come to if I have questions about my kids or Laura is a solicitor. So I go to her about, you know, questions about law. And if Laura now wants to become a property investor or Steve wants to become an entrepreneur, people, that, that doesn't jive with the stereotype they've been placed into, so to speak, yes. which means before Laura can ask for an investor or before Steve can you know, pitch his products, they have to change the perception of people around them. They have to make people see them as an investor that knows what they're doing as an entrepreneur who's running a serious business. And, and that is, that is a bit of an art form. You can use, there are so many tools now, you know, you can communicate through social media, you can just network, you can literally just tell people. (laughs) And what happens is often they'll react, often they'll react negatively. Like, you know, your mother did there with your loan or my parents did about me becoming a property investor. But over time, their kind of stereotypical view of you starts to change. And over time, you become a new stereotype. Now, Steve's an entrepreneur and Laura is a property investor, which means now people start coming to them with those questions. So now Laura will get people reach out to her with questions about property investing, 
which obviously makes it a lot easier to then say, hey, you know what? You've been asking me questions for the past six months. Would you, would you just want to be a part of one of my projects? You can come on as an investor. Excellent. So just, just in, a, in a minute, because I've only got a couple of minutes, I'll need to wrap, wrap up. And um, what, um, what, uh, who would join the uh, Swedish Wealth Institute or Momentum Property Education? What's your ideal client? Um, are they, also, are they um, international? Are they based in Europe? What's, tell us. Yeah, we actually have clients all over Europe, South America, Asia, and Africa. So we are covering a lot of the world. We don't have a lot of people in the United States. We do have some, though. Uh, so we're, we're kind of spreading, spreading our tentacles all over the world. But really, if we, Momentum Property Education's focus is really to help people learn how to invest in property. So we have a, a free introductory course that gives kind of the basics of property investing and that works anywhere in the world. Uh, so property is a property wherever you are, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. It is kind of the same. So that you can, you can go to just www.momentumgift.com and it's a free course that teaches the three simple steps to property investing. Uh, our then goal is really to help you build a portfolio and that can be through, uh, through um, investing in the UK like we do, which is where we have most of our education. The ideal kind of client is usually someone that's you know, a little older, you know, maybe at least, you know, kind of gotten out of school, you know, a grown up, <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense. So yeah. most of our clients are in their 40s and 50s right. looking at building a pot for their retirement. Excellent. And, so we have 30 seconds left. Yeah. So, so that's uh, MomentumGift.com is for, is for the property people, for the entrepreneurs. Uh, Swedish Wealth Institute, we do mainly live events and it's, it's in the Nordics. So anyone in Sweden, you can go to SwedishWealthInstitute.se and you'll find us there. You'll see what events are coming up. We have some exciting things that are coming. We've just translated Cashflow 101 to Swedish, which is super exciting. Excellent. Hey, it's been brilliant talking to you. Do you have a quick final message for us before we... Uh, I just appreciate being here. Thank you, everyone who took the time to listen. And really, when it comes to raising finance, just make sure you think about it. You have these three different overall methods, your own money, lend money, and equity money. And just make sure that you're thinking it through. Why do I want this money? What am I going to use it for? What am I offering? And what will be the value that they get, and then take that risk equation in. How much do I believe in this and what type of money, what type of risk do I want to take? Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant talking to you again, uh, Daniel. Find out more, SwedishWealthInstitute.sc and MomentumPropertyEducation.com. And on next week's show, we've got Dr. Ginny Whitelaw. Um, Dr. Ginny Whitelaw used to manage the space station, believe it or not. She's a, a Zen leadership expert, martial arts expert as well. Uh, and she's doing amazing work around the globe around helping people to um, to uh, kind of step up. She's written some amazing books. The latest one is about how we, the science behind how we kind of resonate and uh, and uh, you know, kind of our energy is passed on to others to create um, communities, etc. Um, it's going to be fascinating next week. So do join us with Dr. Ginny Whitelaw. And a huge thank you to Daniel. And any questions, comments, come back to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Always love to hear from you and receive your feedback. Have a great week. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. 
achieve more.